thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. Good morning, welcome. It's good to, good to see some returning faces. Good to see some old faces. Not that you're that old, but it's good to see some new faces. But this morning, welcome to Springmount. I forgot to say, if you are new and you're planning on being a part of it, there are some cards that the welcome team have got that I can ask you to fill in. So we've got your details. That would be brilliant. So, um, excellent. So, what does God actually want is what we're talking about today. What does God actually want? We've been doing a series on fasting, and uh, for those of you who've been coming every week, hopefully we know what it is, what it isn't. Hopefully we know the purpose of it, and hopefully we'll be encouraging one another. Now, what I wanted to do today, and I know we said what happens in Fast Club stays in Fast Club, okay, but that's why it's happening. And actually, it's important to encourage one another. That chapter we read last week from Acts, it said they gathered together to share the encouraging things that had gone on. So I'm going to ask a couple of people in a moment to just come and share very, very briefly their experience of fasting for the first time. So um, just to say what, what the difference has made. And I've also got a couple of emails and anonymous texts to read out. But first of all, I want to ask, what does God actually want? Because it's a question I'm sure many of us have had. What does God actually want? And uh, sometimes there's things that we do that are useful and things that we do that are useless. You know, we all have particular ways of loading the dishwasher, you know. And I'm really grateful that sometimes we have young people in our house who empty the dishwasher. And at the moment, my mother-in-law is amazing. I've got to be careful what I say because she's here. So she's amazing. You know, we have, you know the elves and the shoemaker story that you tell the children when they go to bed and the next morning the shoes are there. Well, it's amazing. We go to bed and there's dirty pots and we wake up and it's clear and clean. It's incredible. Really good. But me and Carol, we do load the diff- dishwasher differently. But that's all I'm saying. I'll, I'll say that. That's all I'm saying. You know, there's certain things that are useful. Is it a hill I want to die on? No. And I probably would die on it if I raised it. But actually, you know, we put the cutlery rack in different places. I've said it. Okay, that's fine. (laughs) But does it matter? No, it doesn't matter. Carol, I'm just glad you do it. Thank you very much. It doesn't matter which way we do it at all. But certain things we do are useful or useless. And sometimes we have to ask, why do we do some of those things? Yeah, why do we do? I read on the internet this week a story of, of a family tradition that apparently they gave Christmas underwear out to their children, and the routine was that they put that on their heads, stood up and said, thank you for the Christmas underwear, and then sat there for the rest of the time opening the rest of the presents with the underwear on their heads. And I believe it carried on into their adulthood. And they got to the point where you just got to start thinking, why are we doing this? Why are we doing it? What is the purpose of it? What started off as one child probably going, I'm going to put these on my head and it'd be really funny, became a tradition. It became something they did out of routine. I had an uncle, not a real uncle, one of those ones that Peter Kay would say you borrow something off. He was a, I think it was my dad's best man. And uh, he was an Uncle Paul. And if we ever went to his house, he told us that the only way to change the channels on the television was by doing a handstand. If we did a handstand, the channel would change. If we wanted the volume to go up, we had to do a forward roll. 
And if we wanted the volume to go down, we had to do a backward roll. He must have had hours of fun <laughs> with the remote control behind his back, just flicking it every time we did something stupid. And we were, we were obsessed with this, this magical thing in the corner that when we did it, could you imagine if we got into our adult life, though, and grew up with him, and then we went to somebody's house, and they said, can you turn the telly up, and suddenly started doing forward rolls? Could you imagine the nonsense? People would look at you and go, what are you doing? And really, that is what fasting almost has become about. He had a car, and in his car, he was the first person I ever knew to have electric windows. I think he had a bit of money. And uh, he said to if, if you got the window, you had to point at it and go like that. Could you, could you imagine the, the scars that he could have caused us in future life? You know, if he was not just our uncle, but we lived with that every day, and we decided when we got in the car, I said, oh, can you wear the window down? Yeah, sure. It's not working. It's not working. It's not working. That's the sort of thing you learn. And imagine things are useful, but some things are useless. What useless traditions have you carried on? You can think of some yourself, I'm sure. Useless things that we do. But actually... We're coming to the end of our series of fasting, some of you will be glad to know, but that doesn't mean the feasting should stop, because that's what it's all about. The fasting part of it, the, the, the people of Judah, the people of Israel, the Pharisees, they were doing it because it's what they did. Apparently, when they were in exile in Babylon, they would weep because of, because of the situation they were in, but it became a thing that they did because at once a year or twice a year, they would go, right, we need to remember that. Let's pretend to cry or let's force ourselves to cry. It wasn't real. It wasn't important. I've had loads of encouraging messages from people who found it beneficial and good habits have started to form. And although, as I said, fasting isn't about letting the world know that you're doing it, I think it'd be really good to hear from some people who just want to share briefly their experience of the last three weeks. So I'm going to invite Mel and Rebecca up, and then I'm going to read a couple of other things. They are very scared. Encourage them, okay? So just a little lesson. You know, you'll know this, but when you're talking to a microphone, down there doesn't do anything. It has to imagine the words are being caught by a tube, okay? That's, that's the, that right, Jake? Yeah. So, yeah, don't do that. Do that, okay? There you go, Mel. No pressure. <laughs> okay, so I chose to do a social media fast for my fasting because I keep my phone next to my bed and I was in the habit of picking it up to look at the time in the morning, but straight away I'd go straight onto Facebook and start scrolling through and I'd find I'd wasted 20 minutes, half an hour, just randomly scrolling through. And then I'd just be giving a quick five minutes to prayer before I get up for work and get on with my day. So I got a chronological Bible brought for me for Christmas this year. So I decided to use that time for reading the daily readings out of the book as my devotional time. Um, but I found that as the fasting period's gone on, that I've added more and more things to what I've been doing in the morning. So I've been doing more prayer time. I've been using a prayer app to do focus prayer and doing more readings out of different books as well. Um, and I also realized that how I start the day in the morning is how my day continues. So that if I'd started off on Facebook in the morning, I'd keep going back to check different people's messages and making sure, keeping up with what they're doing. And I've found now that through starting the day with the Bible and in prayer, that I've stopped pretty much using Facebook and Instagram and stuff altogether. And I've got down to maybe just a couple of times a day just to check 
people's birthdays or whatever are coming up and I haven't been posting or using it anywhere near as much as I have done so it's really benefited me and I feel that my prayer life has really developed and come on a lot I've just grown a lot more in God in the last few weeks so I want to draw attention to the feasting is the important thing yeah the feast is important. It's not about going without and being miserable, looking miserable. It's about turning from this to that. And actually, we can hear that. Did you expect that to happen? Really? Not as much as it has done. No. So actually, that's the message. And interestingly enough, all the messages I've had have been about having a social media fast. Maybe that tells us something, doesn't it? That actually, the most people who've benefited have been the ones who've gone, no, I'm going to put that to one side. I'm going to turn from this to that. And actually, as a result, there's growth. How exciting is that? Yeah? It's exciting. When we feed, when we focus, we see God grow in us. Because that's what it's about. Um, the, the week that Johnny started the, the Start Fast, um, what's the word? Program? Series. Series. So whatever. whatever yeah. um, season. Season. <laughs> um, God had, had, had shown me a couple of posts on social media and, and spoken to me like, about, about doing fasting. And I was thinking, mm, I might do. Walk in. Well, not walk in. Sit down. See, start fast written up there. And I'm like, yes. So he definitely wants me to do a fast. <laughs> um, definitely got my attention there. Um, so similar to Mel, before fasting um, of a morning, I'd pick up my phone. As soon as I opened my eyes, um, lie there for a good... I say 15 minutes, it's probably a bit longer, um, flicking through Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, etc., instead of praying to God. Um, so I felt that my fast needed, um, for my fast, I needed to kind of use that time for morning prayer instead, instead of just the odd hi, you know, good morning, and then get on my phone, um, so that I'd have time to feast on God. I also decided to pray more throughout the day um, and kind of put a time on my phone to make sure it wasn't just five minutes um, and to really bring things before God. Um, throughout the fast, and even up until probably last Sunday, um, I felt that my fast had allowed me to grow closer to God, and I'm going to keep up the practice of not going on my phone, instead give my first fruits of the day to God, I think it's good practice to get into. Um, and I was happy that even though I hadn't had any kind of huge revelation, I had drawn nearer to him. Then on Tuesday night of this week, um, I was starting to pray to God, um, he just started talking to me about something that was really close to my heart and I felt for a long time that is my calling. Um, bear in mind that I really, really like my sleep and I wanted to get to sleep a fair few times. I mean, I think I was up till about midnight. Um, but my heart was just set on fire by what he was saying um, and that, that's how I know it's from him. Um, over the past few years, um, I've been diagnosed as autistic and ADHD, as is my son and my daughter's currently going through the same process. Um, both now homeschooled, as mainstream school didn't suit, the, uh, didn't suit them. In the case of my son, it made him self-harm and become suicidal. Um, thankfully, since leaving mainstream, both of my children's mental health has improved dramatically. My son's now attending a farm school three days a week, which he loves. Um, and I do think that children need direction, boundaries, guidance, discipline, just as we receive from, from God um, and from our own parents who were young. Um, it says in Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child the way they should go, and when they grow up, they will not depart from it. So Tuesday night, God spoke to me, as he has done before, about working with children in some way. Um, he's spoken to me about some kind of alternative education, and I feel this is something he's still working on with me. There's a lot going on behind the scenes, as it were, um, and God's bringing things to fruition. I'm really grateful for this, as I am not qualified at all for any of this. 
But as we know, God doesn't qualify the, doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. Um, I've worked voluntary with young people on and off for many years now. I've got a real heart for young people, especially those that have been hurt by life, that have behavioural issues, um, also those that are neurodiverse, whether it's diagnosed or not. Um, I'm very passionate about helping young people. I think that most people know that I've got very strong views, which God is reining in with me, um, and also I don't always need to be right. Um, God's still working with me with that. Um, he's made me very passionate for a reason, though, and he's given me a different way of seeing things and feeling things. Um, and I can definitely see that like my childhood trauma and stuff has been used by our, our almighty God to give me such compassion for those that are hurting. Um, the first, God, first verse that God spoke to me about was a verse from several of the Gospels. Let the little children come and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such of these. Um, and then Isaiah 40, 11, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. He does rule with a mighty arm. It says that in, in the verse just before that one. But um, I just noted the word gently and that he holds them close to his heart. I believe that God is showing me areas that I can step into and be a part of. I do need to start discussing them um, with, with people, the hows and the wares. I believe he's asking me to step up and I want to explore that further and see children be gently led to the Father's heart. The children of Spring Mount really are the future of the church and the future of the kingdom of God and they are also the present too. Um, he loves them and delights in them and I pray that he will help me to step into the places he's calling me to. Thanks, Becca. Thank you. Thank you both. And I would say as well, it's important to notice that it was a struggle. At the beginning, it was just about a little bit more time with God. It wasn't about any massive revelation. You know, I had a message of somebody else who said, um, you know, I'm being more mindful of how I'm using Facebook. And that was a thing that they'd come out with. Another message, I had two messages of one person who said about... Uh, two weeks in, they said, I'm just struggling. It's actually making me more frustrated. I was actually doing quite well, and it's actually making me more frustrated. But then on Friday night, they'd had an epiphany where actually they said, you know, God has actually really pointed out several things this week as I've, as I've pressed into him, as I've driven down deeper into him, I've realized that actually it, it, is, it is about more than just the feasting on him. It is about actually reminding us of how blessed we are when, of what we have. And so it's taught and, and spoken into their lives quite a lot, really. So I think that's, I'm not going to read that out word for word. They may one day share that with you. Um, but I just want to encourage you. But I want to also encourage you that as a church, we said we were going to do this three weeks of fasting. I don't know in this church who has done that. I'm not, I don't want to show of hands. I don't want to see. But I don't think it's coincidental that on Friday we had an email from the people who bought the old building wanted to give us money and actually we've been waiting since August for that exchange to happen and for the contracts to be signed and for Dignity to finally complete with everything and on Friday we got an email at the end of this three weeks that we've been fasting that actually has said give us your bank account details we want to give you some money to, for the rental agreement so they have got that with a, an option to buy so they are leasing the building for two years with an option to buy and that will be a real blessing to us uh, in terms of what we want to do here that's right isn't it don't need to say anything else Paul no? just the treasurer on the front <laughs> so I don't believe that's a coincidence that as we've been fasting, all of a sudden we have seen those breakthroughs. So I don't know what you found about it, but I want to ask you this. What does God want? 
What does God want? We're going to read some verses. First of all, he explains what he doesn't want. And there's a passage we've read a lot as a church. It was spoken over our young people when we went to Durban, South Africa, because we'd been giving ourselves for the week on projects. And Mike Pilavachi said, I don't need to speak tonight. I'll just read these verses. So I'm going to read these verses, and I'm going to say as little as possible. Some of you are really cheering inside. So Isaiah 58, starting at verse 2. The words should be on the screen. So Isaiah 58, starting at verse 2, says, For day after day they seek me out. They're wanting to feast, yeah? They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me, that's God's people, ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. So far, that might describe us, mightn't it? Eager for God to come near, wanting to seek his face, wanting a response. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet, on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife. It ends in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves. Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? That speaks to us today, doesn't it? We could say, is Sunday morning, is that what you call focus on God? Is that what you call it's all about, coming to church on a Sunday? Is that the kind of fast it's all about? It's no good trying to fast and feast on God and yet mistreating people, not loving people. It's no good to do those things. It says in that passage, you fast, but then you exploit. You fast, and then you fall out. You fast but you want it done quickly on your terms. That's what it's saying to God's people. You're fasting, but it's all about you. It's still all about you. It's not about God. Just a day, is that it? Just for a time, is that what's acceptable? Their fasting was just a ritual routine, a bit like doing forward rolls to turn the television up. It was just something they were doing because they thought if they did this, then they would get that. If they did this, then they would get that. By all accounts, as I say, what, became, what started as real tears in Babylon became faked and forced weeping to God because of something they felt they should do. God wants us to be real. What does God want? He wants us to be real. He wants us to be stripped back all the layers because he sees beyond it anyway. He wants us to be real. He wants us to be authentic. He wants us to be people of integrity. Do you know, if our hearts are right, then the practice will be right. If your heart's right, then fasting will be right. If your heart is right, then what we do will be right. But if our heart is wrong, then the practice will be wrong. Simple thing to remember. What does God want? He wants our hearts to be his. He wants us to be given over to him. Those verses carry on to say this. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? This is God speaking to his people. This is what I want, he says. This is what I want, to loose the chains of injustice 
untie the cords of the yoke and to set the oppressed free and break every yoke, to break every chain. That's what God wants. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? To when you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. That's what God wants. He wants us to give and to spend of ourselves in helping and loving others. It's the biggest command in the Bible to love one another and to love your enemies. It's not just the people you like. To love even your enemies. And the result, verse 8, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, yeah, the gossip, the lies, the, the, the backbiting. If you do away with the pointing finger, the criticism, the malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. Then, then. It's exciting when you read those promises, isn't it? Yeah, they make, they make great fridge magnets. They make great things to stick on you all. You know, as you go out of the house, my light will shine in the darkness. My night will be like the noon. They sound great, don't they? But they only come after the, stop that. Stop that. Turn from this to that. Stop that. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs. Is that what we want? He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Remember that bit. You will be like a well-watered garden and a spring who never fails. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls. What a great name. You'll be called Bob the Builder. Can he fix it? Yes, he can. You'll be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honourable, and if you honour it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words... Then you will find your joy. If, 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 if you stop being all about yourself, then. That's what it's saying. If you stop the self-centeredness of things, if you stop it being about your inconvenience, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And remember, joy isn't happiness. It's a deeper satisfaction. Happiness is what happens. Joy is deeper. Then you will find your joy in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. 
I could just read that whole chapter. You could just read that whole chapter and just go, wow. And you should know then what God wants. Just that chapter. You don't need me to expound on it, really. We've read those words as a lot as a church. We've spoken on that chapter in the Isaiah series before Christmas. It's that recent. They don't need any further comment. But what does God want? He wants our devotion. He wants our adoration. He wants our focus. He wants our attention. Then he can speak. He wants our attention. Then he can speak. He can tell us exactly what we should be doing. What's the answer? What does God want? He wants us to serve. He wants us to give. He wants us to live love. He wants us to give of ourselves. He wants us to share of ourselves. Then you'll find joy. Jeff's excited because it's the first mention of a motorbike in the Bible, isn't it? Riding on a triumph. <laughs> then you will triumph. Then you will feast. Do you know, kids miss out when they don't listen, don't they? Oh, well done. Okay, I've not got it, but anyway. Kids miss out when they don't listen, yeah? If you try your best to stop them hearing the ice cream van, they're not going to ask for one. Or my friend used to say, when he plays the music, it means he's sold out. But anyway, I thought that was a bit cruel, personally. You know, you could offer them sweets and they might not hear, and then you think, oh, well, I'm not going to give them them. Yeah, have you done that, parents? Are you with me? You've often said they could have something, but they've been so engrossed in something else that they've just not heard what you want to say. They've not been paying attention. I could ask one of our children to do something when I'm in the same room, and they not move because they are engrossed with what they're doing. Yet I can have a conversation downstairs in the kitchen with Ros that's really quiet, and they come running. <laughs> How does that work? Simon, I can see you smiling. Does that happen in your house? Yeah, maybe, maybe. You can say something in the same room and they're just like, yeah, yeah. Yesterday, I asked this dishwasher again. It's always a cause of issues in our house. I asked uh, Warren if he, would change, if he would empty the dishwasher. Yeah, yeah. 20 minutes later, still sat there. You empty the dishwasher. No, I'll do it in a minute. No, I asked you to do it so I could fill it. And then move the cutlery tray back in the right place. No, we're not going there. <laughs> Sorry, Carol. It's all right. But other times, certain words are heard no matter what. But you might say, Johnny, that passage in Isaiah is just one passage. It might not really apply to us today. <laughs> it's the message of the whole Bible is justice and love. That is, if you want to know what the Bible's about, it's justice and love. It's that we are God's hands and feet to act fairly, to act and to show love. This week, some of the guys who work at Walling Community Trust have shown incredible love and care and have been, have been just, the school have been overwhelmed and have sent messages to say such because they've seen a people who love, a people who, who want to be there and stand and walk beside people. Our next series that we're going to look at, starting next week, is going to look at two Old Testament books. If you want to know the actual historical and all that jazz, then... Jeff's old to new. Is it Haggai and Zechariah this week or is it next week, the week after? Hosea this week. Okay. So if you want to know more, two, in a week and a half's time, I think it might be Haggai and Zechariah, maybe. Maybe a few weeks. Uh, but we're going to look through and say, what's it about? It's about priorities. It's about priorities. And actually, we're going to look at that. But I want to read one passage in Zechariah to give you a sneak peek already. The people asked God... 
should we still be fasting like we've done twice a year? They come to me and say, should we still do this? Should we, should we still be doing this? And this is God's response in Zechariah chapter 7, verses 4 to 11. It says this, Then the word of the Lord Almighty came to me, Ask all the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months for the past 70 years, was it really for me that you fasted? There's a question. God will ask you today. When you come to church, when you sing the songs, when we get involved in worship, was it really for him? Was it really for me? And when you were eating and drinking, were you not just feasting for yourselves? Useful or useless? Was it for you? What is it for? Did you really do it for him or was it just a routine like putting Christmas underpants on your head? Because if it's just a routine, you're going to look a bit silly. Certainly as you get older. God asks the same question today. Was it for me? The songs we sung today... Will you go home and say, oh, I, don't like, I didn't like that new song? Or will you say, do you know what? Let's worship God. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. It's not about us. It's never been about us. The time we set aside this morning to come, was it for him? Or was it to make us feel better that we've been to church? Was it to make somebody else in the family feel better that we'd come to church? Was it for him? The passage goes on to say this, verse 7. Are these not the words the Lord proclaimed through the earlier prophets when Jerusalem and its surrounding towns were at rest and prosperous and the Negev and the western foothills were settled? And the word of the Lord came again to Zechariah. This is what the Lord Almighty said. Administer true justice. Be just, be fair. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Rebecca used that word from before, didn't she? Compassion. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Do not plot evil against each other. But they refused to pay attention. Stubbornly, they turned their backs and covered their ears. If we don't like what God's got to say, then we're going to do that. If we say, God, what do you want? Then you might not like some of the things he asks you to do. But he knows best. He knows best. The word for mercy here, have mercy, show compassion. It's a Hebrew word, hesed. And it's a word that is linked to deep, intimate relationship. It's a word that describes the covenant love of God to his people. God is saying it's got to be about love of people. It's got to be about love and care, compassion. It describes a promise. So it's more than just the mercy that we know of being let off something. It's deep, loving relationship, time together with him. It's about love, faithfulness, strength, and genuine relationship. And compassion can be translated kindness. But it's also the word that's used for a mother's love towards a child before it's even born. Show mercy and compassion. Show love and kindness. Have that love that a mother would have. We're to act in deep relationship with God and one another. Do not oppress. Don't plot evil against each other. Treat each other with justice. Love your neighbours. But they did not listen. Are we going to listen? Are we going to listen to what God wants? Not just a Sunday morning. Not just a day. Is that the kind of fast? No. Share yourself. Give yourself. The most important thing God wants as we come to the end of this series and the end of this morning is mercy compassion and love for one another famous verse in Micah chapter 6 verse 8 says it again he has shown you O mortal what is good God has shown you what is good 
And what does the Lord require of you? We're asking the question, what does God want? It tells us here, what does God require? Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly. Don't ask what God wants and then go away having a quarrel with somebody. Don't ask what God wants and then be critical of everybody. Don't ask what God wants and be unloving, uncaring, and unkind. Because that's turning you back and putting your fingers in your ears and going, la, 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 I can't hear you. As Jesus said later on, love God first and love your neighbors and your enemies. And if your neighbors are your enemies, you've still got to love them. But we need to hear, really hear. These verses we've read this morning say, when I called, they did not listen. So when they called, I would not listen, says the Lord. And without listening and following ourselves." we end up with a desolate, unpleasant land. Not the well-watered garden that's promised in Isaiah. Where would we rather be? In the middle of a scorched desert or in a well-watered garden? Following instructions is really important, yeah? I want you to follow something. I'm gonna, I want you to listen to all I'm going to ask you to do and then I want you to follow my instructions, okay? You ready? Wave your hands. Left hand high, right hand high, stand up, sit down. Now, ignore everything I've said that was just to see who was actually listening and just put a finger on your lips. Oh, dear. Let me repeat my instruction. I want you to listen to all I'm going to ask you to do and then follow the instruction. Well done, Francis. Well done, those who've got babies, Grace, that can't stand up and sit down. Well done. You've got a good excuse. Can you see how we don't listen? It was subtle. I was trying to catch you out. The idea is worked, yeah? If you'd have all just sat there, I'd have been like, mm. do you know that's the most response I think I've ever had on a Sunday morning? <laughs> I have to do that more regularly. You didn't really pay attention. So as I finish now, what does God want? For us to listen and for us to do what he's actually asked of us, to draw near to him, to humble ourselves, to turn from this to that, to focus on him and to care for one another. Then, if we do that as a church, Springmount's light will shine. Then, we will have joy. Then, we will see and experience freedom. Then, our healing will appear. Then, he will satisfy our needs. Then we will triumph. And we get excited about this, can't we? Yeah. So I started this series by saying, are we hungry? Some of you have fasted food, you will be. As long as you've not done it for the whole three weeks. And then I said, are we serious? Really serious? Are we willing to clean our house? Is it really for him? I want to finish with this. Are we listening? Are we listening? Last question, will we act? Will we do something about it? Will we change? We've heard two people share how God has changed their habits. It's got to be more, hasn't it? Will we act? It will not be a roly-poly or a backward roll. It will be worth it if we act. Or are we just going to go through the motions? Are we just going to turn up occasionally on a Sunday? Are we just going to pay lip service to the God who says, if you, my people, 
or humble yourself and turn from your wicked ways and pray and seek my face, I will heal your land. Will we do it? There's the challenge. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for all that you've taught us from your word. I thank you for those passages, and I'm sorry if I've uh, rambled on. But Father, I pray this morning that we will know what you want, that we will be in no doubt the things you're asking us to put down, that we will be in no doubt of the things we're trying to lay aside, and that we will be in no doubt of what we do need to do in order to be content in you, to have joy in you, in order to have a life that is fulfilled because it's focused on God Almighty. It's focused on the maker of all. So Father God, help us. And I pray for anyone in this room this morning who who feels that they've just messed up, that they can't match up, that they can't measure up. Father, I pray, Lord, that they will know that it's not about them. It's all about you. So, Father God, this morning, if there's anyone in this place feeling like that, I pray, Lord, that they will just return to what it's all about, that they will stop worrying about how they've messed it up because you have made it right. In Jesus' name, amen.